What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the early morning hours of Sunday, August 14th, 2022. As the Cardinals lose a heartbreaker at Bush Stadium, oh boy, we knew this one had the potential to be a true pitcher's duel. And boy, if that isn't exactly what we got at Bush Stadium on Saturday night. Adam Wainwright had the no-hitter going into the seventh inning, and he ends up throwing what otherwise would have been a complete game, Cardinals fans. Nine innings, one run allowed by Wayno, eight strikeouts. The solo homer by Luis Arias gets him. And man, that was just, talk about letting the air out of a situation. Nolan Gorman had just come up with a big swing for the Cardinals in the bottom of the seventh. And an opposite field home run by the Brewers infielder gets it back to a tied score. That's just a tough situation there. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how the Cardinals were unable to come up with the win there in extra innings. The Manfred man comes into play once again, as it often does when we talk about extra inning baseball in 2022. It's still a factor. And the Cardinals were not able to overcome it this time. I'm not putting the entire blame on Giovanni Gallegos, though, and if you listen to the post-game show from the manager, neither was Ali Marmel in terms of the Brewers' ability to score two runs there in that 10th inning and come away with the 3-2 win over the Cardinals that evens up this weekend series, and Sunday is now going to be the rubber game with Miles Michaelis opposing Aaron Ashby, the lefty for the Brewers. But before we can get into Sunday's game, we got to break down Saturdays. So that's what we'll do tonight right here on B-Shape Daily. But before we get into the content of the show, I want to remind you real quick that you can subscribe to B-Shape Daily on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Those are the two places that really you want to be. But if you don't like those mainstream podcasting apps, you can go to anchor.fm slash bshaper12, click on the more platforms tab, and you'll find a ton of other places you can go. But me personally, you got an iPhone, Apple Podcasts is the way. If you don't, Spotify is the answer. Those two, you really can't go wrong. If you want to support B-Shape Daily, you can go to my Twitter at bshaper12 and click on the money tab to be linked to Cash App or Venmo. Another way to do it is patreon.com slash bshaper12, where you'll get some exclusive bonus content, articles, and podcasts to come if you'd like to support B-Shape Daily on a monthly basis over there. Once again, that's patreon.com slash bshaper12. But let's jump right into the content of the show tonight. How about Adam Wainwright? I feel like we owe it to Wayno to talk about the good before we get into the unfortunate aspects of this game. The good was Adam Wainwright. He deserves so much better than what he got. The offense had a tough time tonight, but you know what? You knew that they would, right? You knew that Corbin Burns was a tough customer. He has been a tough customer every time the Cardinals have faced him. Tonight was no exception. Seven innings for Corbin Burns, four hits allowed, Six strikeouts and just the one earned run, and it comes off the bat of rookie Nolan Gorman. I know the Cardinals didn't get much going offensively tonight. You had one base hit apiece for Donovan, Goldschmidt, Yadier Molina, and Gorman, and then a couple of knocks for Paul DeYoung. Good to see him encroaching upon that Mendoza line, batting one, uh, pardon me, 198 now for the season with a 671 OPS. So he's he's still hanging in there trying to get back up above 200 for the first time in a long time for Paul DeYoung. 
But the Cardinals overall didn't get a lot done tonight. And you didn't necessarily expect that they would. But you like seeing Nolan Gorman come through there as the opposing starter is fading a little bit in the game. He's trying to get through that seventh inning. Gorman just put a real good swing on the ball. Puts the Cardinals ahead. And you felt like at that point, even though Wayno had just given up the no-hitter, you felt like this was going to be a special night for the Cardinals. And then the eighth inning happens. Inexplicably, the Luis Urias home run to tie the game. That was a bummer. That was a real bummer for Adam Wainwright. He had pitched so well. Nine innings. I mean, he's doing this at 42 years old, folks. He has just been some kind of good for the Cardinals. It's a shame the bats couldn't get it going against Corbin Burns a little bit more. It's a shame that Wayno doesn't get that one pitch taken away. He gets that one pitch back and throws a better one. Maybe it's a different outcome to this game. But ultimately, it goes to extra innings. It goes to extra innings with the Manfred man in play, and that's where things get a little bit interesting, right? Who would have thought when this game began that Corey Dickerson would end up playing a significant role in it? He was scratched from the initial lineup, and then, according to Ollie Marmo, which we're going to hear from Ollie, courtesy of Valley Sports Midwest, from the postgame show, in the way that he didn't lay all the blame at the feet of the pitcher for that 10th inning, Giovanni Gallegos, because there was a defensive play that I think maybe not should have been made, but certainly there should have been a more quality attempt at it by Corey Dickerson. And Ali Marmel tended to feel the exact same way about that. And he didn't let those thoughts go unsaid, is, uh, is the way that I'll put it. So here's the situation that set up that play in the 10th inning where Hunter Renfro, not that Hunter Renfro, not the Clemson uh, wide receiver that now plays for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, but the one that is a, an outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. He hits one the opposite way into the gap in right center field on what was honestly a pretty good pitch by Giovanni Gallegos. Yadier Molina wanted it up. Gio put it up, and Renfro just got good wood on it. But it gets into the gap and evades the grasp of Corey Dickerson. And let's be honest, he really wasn't especially close to catching this ball. And it was not a good route that he took. A situation where you got to go back and to your right. He basically beelines it directly to his right. And ball goes over his shoulder, makes it all the way to the wall. Renfro makes third base, ends up scoring later on on a Colton Wong sacrifice fly. That makes it 3-1 Milwaukee, which... Again, even if that's a hit, even if that's a situation where Dickerson can't dive and make a spectacular play, if he keeps it in front of him, there's not a runner on third with Colton Wong having the opportunity to put a fly ball anywhere and give the Brewers a key insurance run. If that game is 2-1, to one, you've got your man for man if you're the Cardinals, and you can tie it up in the bottom half. But as it happens, the Cardinals ended up needing two runs in the bottom half, and they only got one. Dylan Carlson got the sacrifice fly to score one run for the Cardinals in the bottom of the 10th, but they would not come up with another, and the Cardinals lose this game 3-2. to two. But you might ask, okay, Corey Dickerson didn't start the game. Why was that? Well, he was scratched with a calf injury, initially was in the starting lineup, doesn't end up playing in the starting lineup, was scratched from the game. And the reason was a calf injury. However, middle of the game, he says he's okay enough to get into the game defensively if they need him to. 
And so that allows the gears to begin turning in Ollie Marmel's head to say, how can we maximize our chances to score runs down the stretch here? And it leads to a situation in the eighth inning where against the lefty, Ollie deploys everything he's got. He empties his bench essentially, pinch hitting Albert Pujols for Lars Newtbar, and then pinch hitting Tyler O'Neill into the game, who's going to come in and remain in the game as a defensive replacement. So this was after the Urias home run. It's now 1-1. One to one. Yachty led off the eighth inning with a single. Ollie Marmel had already deployed Tyler O'Neill in the top of the inning as a defensive replacement for Brendan Donovan in left field. That's an improvement because you've got an infielder playing the outfield. Tyler O'Neill has won a gold glove, two of them actually, in left field, as Ollie Marmel mentioned after the game in defending the decision. And that's one that I don't really have a problem with. But you know O'Neill's spot is coming up in the order. He ends up being one of the guys that's going to get to face Taylor Rogers because Rogers, the lefty, comes into the game after Corbin Burns has pitched seven innings. Yachty leads off that eighth inning with a single, as I mentioned, and that's when Ali Marmel takes it to a, another level, and he subs in Albert Pujols to bat for Newt Barr to face the lefty. Albert's crushed lefties, and so Ali's going for it right now. He got that lead in the seventh thanks to Gorman. Inexplicably, the Cardinals gave it back, and it's one-to-one. And Ollie's saying, we got to take our shot here. We're going to go for the offense, and we're going to put Albert in for Newt Barr, who has had a fine game, who has been playing really well, hitting the ball really well, seeing the ball really well in recent games, so much so that we've moved him up into the leadoff spot. Didn't get anything to show for his at-bats on Saturday, but did lead off the game with a pretty good uh, piece of hitting that just found a glove. 0 for 3 on the night for Newt Bar. But they're going to go Albert in that spot, which I understand because you know what the matchup is. You know that Albert has just been fantastic against left-handed pitching. Lars Newt Bar is a lefty batter. That's one that it makes sense in, in that regard. If you're trying to go for the win right there, you've already got Yachty on base. Get that run. Find out a way to get through the ninth inning, and you've done it. You've beaten the Brewers twice in a row. However, Albert doesn't come through. Tyler O'Neill's spot comes up. Again, that's fine because you get the righty, O'Neill, who had already happened to come in as a defensive replacement. Ali probably anticipating this situation anyway. Says we might as well get O'Neill's glove in there because he's going to bat for Donovan regardless was probably the plan there. So they get O'Neill in there. He doesn't come through offensively, and the game's still tied. You deployed two right-handed bats against a lefty reliever thinking that was your spot and it doesn't end up working out. I don't hate the offensive aggression there that Ollie Marmol showed because, again, either of those guys who can can do well against lefties, either of those guys come through, you might have the run that you need. It's 2-1, to one and, and maybe Gio Gallegos comes in for the ninth inning. Maybe Adam Wainwright stays in for the ninth inning, which is ultimately what happened. He got, he got through that ninth inning, given the chance for his Cardinals batters to walk it off in the bottom of the ninth and, and give him the complete game that he deserved. Doesn't end up working out that way because the Cardinals don't score in the ninth inning. But you would have had that opportunity to go for it all in the bottom of the eighth, get the win, have Wainwright secure it in the ninth, and that would have been okay. But here's the way it actually plays out. Cardinals don't score, and then you end up in an extra inning situation with Corey Dickerson. As we mentioned, scratch with the calf, but he's good enough. He says in the middle of the game, I'm good enough to play, and that allows Ali Marmel 
to get those gears turning. He knows, okay, I've got Dickerson that I can sub in defensively if I need to for Newt Bar. And Newt Bar was in the game, but Albert took his spot because of the pinch hit opportunity in the eighth. So that puts Dickerson in right field. O'Neill in left field. Again, you don't lose much defensively there. You actually probably gain by going from Donovan to O'Neill. But ultimately, it wasn't O'Neill that got the game-winning hit in his direction. And though Renfro's hit didn't win the game, his run on the Colton Wong sack fly later on in the 10th inning, that does ultimately represent the, the, the winning run in this one. And the only reason he was on third was because Corey Dickerson, let's be honest, he took a bad route to that one. And he ends up being the goat in this one and not the good kind of goat. The kind of goat that gets blamed for a really frustrating loss against the team chasing you for the division title. I'm going to let you hear from Ali Marmel on the play that Corey Dickerson did not make. And listen, that the ball was stung by Hunter Renfro. It wasn't like he just blooped one out there into right center field. He got a really good piece of it. He got good wood on that ball and hit it to the opposite way. And it's always those line drives that they're hard to judge, sure. It's not an easy play to make, but Dickerson, I don't know how much more of a frustrating route he he probably could have taken to that if you're a Cardinal fan. 103.6 miles per hour off the bat for Hunter Renfro. Absolutely. Like I said, he did what he wanted to do with that pitch. He took a pretty good pitch by Gallegos and, and put it in play with authority. But man, Cardinals fans were left holding their hands up wondering what in the hell just happened. And I'll let you hear from Ollie Marmel, and, and maybe you might consider that he had the same thought about that play by Dickerson. Here's Ollie Marmel, along with uh, the question that, that prompts him on the Corey Dickerson topic after the Cardinals' 3-2 loss to the Brewers on Saturday. I'm taking it one step farther. How playable was Dickerson in right field? He's said he showed up sore. That's why we scratched him out of the lineup. Halfway through the game, he came in and said he's ready to go. So at that point, overall strategy of how to use Albert off the bench changes because now you have an extra outfielder in, uh, in Dickerson and O'Neill for Donovan, one for defense, and uh, two for that bat, knowing that Rogers is coming in that next inning. Do you think Newport catches that ball if he's in the game? Uh, tough to say. Uh, Newport's a better defender. So chances are he gets closer to it. Oh, that ball was stung, but could there have been a better angle taken on the, the, the route on that on that ball? Yes. Holy crap, guys. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you've ever seen Ali Marmel upset, that's Ali Marmel upset. He was seething at the fact that the Cardinals let this one get away because he knows how well Adam Wainwright pitched in this one. He knew it was going to be a dogfight when you're going up against Corbin Burns. He had very complimentary things to say about Burns. He said he's a stud. We we knew this was going to be tough. We faced this guy before. We've seen enough of him to know. But to have your team do just enough and put yourself in position to win this game, and then a fluke situation happens. Wainwright's been great all night. He gives up one bad pitch that's a home run, and now you've got to fight and claw your way again to try and score more runs and get this done for your starter. And then you get into a situation in the 10th where he says, you know, Lars Newtbar is a better defender. So he probably would have gotten closer. That was step one into going, oh, wow, Ollie's not holding back on this one. 
That was the first thing that he said that, that caught my attention. And then the second thing that he said was the question by John Denton when he asked, is that is that a situation where he should have taken a better route to that ball? Ollie did not expound upon his answer. He merely said, yes. Yes, that's all he said. So I know Cardinals fans were thinking it, and I don't know that Ollie Marmo could have been any more definitive about it, that that's a situation that maybe cost the Cardinals this game. And you think about the plays that Lars Newtbar specifically has made on those exact types of hits. He's done it like twice in the past week and a half. One time he had the tongue out. The other time he didn't have the tongue out. Making diving catches going into the gap. Lars Newpark can make that play, and, and he probably takes a better route to it to where maybe he doesn't even have to dive. But I would have to, again, Ollie didn't go as far as to say Newpark makes that play, but he said, well, he's a better defender, so he would have probably gotten close. And that's not necessarily Ollie Marmel regretting the decision, by the way, to do what he did in the eighth inning by subbing in Albert, having Tyler O'Neill take the at-bat. And really, it's the O'Neill part is irrelevant in this. Uh, Donovan did make a good play in left field earlier in the game, but you're going to take Tyler O'Neill in left over over Donovan most most of the time. Like, there's never a situation where you say, "Oh, we're downgrading defensively by going from O'Neill to Donovan in left field." You're not going to do that. So if you have a chance as a right-handed batter, you know he's going to face a lefty. That was just good managing. But the Albert part is what's interesting because at the beginning of the game, Dickerson wasn't good enough to play. Didn't feel he was healthy enough to play. And so he scratched from the starting lineup, but then he says in the middle of the game that he's that he's good. At first he was too sore. Now he's fine to come in if you need him. And Ollie goes ahead and, and adds that into the memory bank and recognizes that that's a chance to use Albert if the opportunity arises where I wouldn't have been able to before. But you do sacrifice defense in right field. So you're, you're making the upgrade in left, but in right you you, you take a hit. And that's pretty counteractive to what you typically would do in a late-game situation as a manager. A lot of times you go for defense. But we've seen Ollie a couple times this year when he thinks his team has a chance to score runs and they don't know if they're built for the long haul in an extra inning type of game. You'll see him go for that. Now, Ryan Helsley was not available for this game on Saturday because, again, he threw two innings on Friday. We talked about it last night on B-Shape Daily, how Ollie Marmel said, we're just trying to win this game tonight. We had an opportunity to do it, and so Helsley for two innings was the way to go. You throw him for one inning, and he still may not be available for Saturday anyway, so go get the W. I had no problem with it on Friday. I still think it was the right decision, even seeing how Saturday played out. If your starter goes nine innings and you can't find a guy in the bullpen to be your guy for the 10th, eh, there's not really much else that you can do. You, you, You had your starter give the bullpen every opportunity to be rested and ready to go in this game, and Helsley was the one guy that you weren't going to be able to go to. Now, is that a conversation to have about the trade deadline? We like what the Cardinals did at the deadline, adding Quintana, adding Jordan Montgomery, Chris Stratton, you take him or leave him. But there was a conversation to be had about adding a premium piece for the bullpen at the deadline. They didn't do that. They liked that Geo had been pitching better recently, and and I again, I don't blame everything that happened tonight on Geo. I think he maybe got the the line out or the fly out that he needed to right field, and the right fielder that was in the game at the time just didn't take a very good route to the ball and had no gave himself no chance to make the play. 
And all he said, I mean, he said Newpar's a better defender. So that's what makes this next part interesting. Katie Wu asked a good question about the aggression that Marmel showed in the eighth inning to really try and go for the win right then and there. And maybe do you sacrifice a little bit on the back end in terms of what you lose defensively in right field, in terms of recognizing that maybe you don't have a Ryan Helsley that can get you through some of those tough Manfred men types of innings in the 10th or 11th or 12th or whatever may come to pass. And I like Ollie's answer. I think it's interesting, but I think there is one hole in it. It is something that should be maybe pretty evident. But here was the question by Katie and the answer by Ollie Marmel, courtesy of Bally Sports. Ollie, from a manager's perspective, how do you make the decision to go for and essentially the win in the eighth situation and what ultimately leads into the factors there? I'm not sure what you're losing on the back end of making that move, though. Um, you got a lefty coming in. You got two guys that crush lefties in O'Neill and in Albert. Um, and then you're replacing an infielder that's playing the outfield with an outfielder that has won a gold glove. So um, at the end of the day, you take your shot of scoring there. Um, just didn't happen. Two punch outs and keep moving. That's Cardinals manager Ali Marmel after the Cardinals 3-2 loss to the Brewers on Saturday, talking about the notion of going forward in the eighth inning with the offensive matchups and simultaneously not really believing that you gave up much on the back end, he said, in terms of putting a gold glove left fielder in place of the infielder in the outfield and left, which makes sense. We've already kind of touched on that. But what I think is neglected there is is the elephant in the room, which is the defensive downgrade from Newt Barr to Dickerson that Ali had already referenced earlier in the press conferences. So maybe he felt like that wasn't something to bring up again, but I, th- I thought it was a pretty direct question by Katie where you just knew that that was the thing. That was everything in that situation. What you gave up was a little bit of defensive integrity in right field. And maybe that's something that doesn't cost you nine times out of 10, but in this case, I would argue that it did. Doesn't make it a bad decision, but I do think it merits recognizing in that moment that when the question is, what do you give up on the back end? It's some quality in in right field in terms of your defense. And Ollie had already made reference to that earlier by saying that Newt Barr is a better defender. He was very open with it. And when John asked him about the notion of whether Dickerson could have or should have taken a better route to that ball, all he said was yes. So I think it's pretty evident that that's that's one that that sticks with the manager, it sticks with the team, and I think it sticks with Cardinals fans as well. I don't have a problem with aggressive managing. Like I said, it's just a situation where is Dickerson as good of a defender as Newpar? He's not. Does that one spot in the eighth inning with Albert, is it worth it? Is it enough of an upgrade offensively? Does it raise your percentage chance of scoring a run in the eighth versus not doing so? significantly enough that it makes it worthwhile to potentially have that downgrade later in the game. Again, you never know that a ball is going to be hit right in the exact right spot to make you wish you had a different right fielder in there, but that's part of the reason you make those defensive substitutions late in games. Typically, though, you do it when you're ahead by a run or two because you've already got that lead and you don't need the punch at the plate. Ali was trying to get the best of both worlds a little bit because he needed runs at that point. And That's what happens when you face Corbin Burns. They make it difficult on you. Pitchers like that make it tough on your team to operate at your best level. And because the Cardinals weren't able to get the kind of lead that they needed, ultimately you've got to make some sacrifices somewhere to try and sell out for offense. 
Now, as good as Albert is against lefties, especially this season, especially recently in his career, I, th- I think a situation where you've had Newt Bar swinging the bat pretty well. I know that left-on-left left isn't a great matchup, but let's make reference to Paul DeYoung, who has had some right-on-right matchups recently. You remember the Clay Holmes matchup where I had I was sitting there with an entire press box that was wondering why Ollie Marmel didn't go to Brendan Donovan off the bench with DeYoung facing a tough righty. DeYoung ends up coming through in that game uh, last Friday, eight days ago or so, and the Cardinals end up winning over the Yankees in that one because Ollie Marmel put some trust into Paul DeYoung to come through, and he did. I think Newt Bar has elevated himself maybe into the tier where he deserves a little bit of that consideration, though I do understand he's never going to be able to compare to lefty Lars Newt Bar facing a lefty versus Albert Pujols coming in and facing a lefty. That being said, the situ- it wasn't as though Albert was coming on with runners in scoring position. Yachty had led off with a single at the beginning of that eighth inning. Yadier Molina was running, right? It wasn't as though you had Edmund on base or Donovan or one of those guys that can can advance himself, get into scoring position, and maybe Albert drives him in. If nothing else, you really just had a situation where a, a ground ball ends the inning with Yadi and Albert running. But I understand you're taking your shot there. I, I just think we got to be honest about the fact that it does end up the way it played out costing the Cardinals. I don't think that makes it a bad decision unless the one area where that I, I could disagree with that. How much do you know about Corey Dickerson? Obviously you heard the clip where Marmel said, yeah, he was ready to go defensively. He said he was good to go. How, how, how much do you know for sure? And what are you willing to, to bet on it? Essentially, Ollie decides to bet the game on it in that spot where the pitch that geo throws high heat, maybe above the strike zone, execute a pitch. If a ball's going to be put in play, it's probably going to be put in play to the opposite field in that case, which means the right fielder's going to be involved. I'm not saying it was that intricate in terms of their game calling and their pitch calling there is going to factor in what the outfield alignment is, but you should hope that if you're putting the right fielder into the game that he's going to be able to make the plays. And I'm not saying it was an easy play or a routine play, but... This is not a routine series. The Cardinals and Brewers are neck and neck right now for the National League Central, and the margin of error is not very large. I mean, you've got little things that can impact a game and and swing it, and tonight it ended up being that. I don't have a huge problem with Gallegos. Again, the Manfred man makes it tricky. The Cardinals come up with an opportunity, and and they score one run in the bottom of the 10th. They find a way to get that first runner home. If Newtbar's out there or if Dickerson makes a better play on that ball and catches it, could have ended up that the Cardinals would have been pushing for the win in the bottom of the 10th. Not a whole lot to get to other than what what turned out to have been a key play in the game. So that's why we spent a lot of time talking about it. I do want to give Adam Wainwright credit. He's been fantastic. Really good showing from him tonight against a Brewers team after really struggling in his last outing. You remember the game on Sunday last week against the Yankees. Wainwright was not at his best. And you know that he wanted to come out and show a different side of him in this one. He did that. He did everything he could have hoped except for throw one pitch to Luis Urias that ends up getting hit out of the ballpark. 109 pitches, 71 strikes tonight for Wainwright. I mentioned the eight strikeouts, nine innings pitched. His ERA for the season at 3.27. He's been sensational. I'll look forward to checking out the updated list as far as innings pitched in Major League Baseball this season. 
because Wainwright has still got to be somebody near the top of those lists right now. And for 42 years old, that's pretty special for him to to continue on that trajectory that he's been on. We know that Sandy Alcantara has just been an innings eater, a workhorse with 166 innings this season. Adam Wainwright is fourth in Major League Baseball at 143 and a third innings at this point. He's thrown one more out than Corbin Burns on the season. Burns has got a lower ERA. Burns is also 15 years younger, right? Adam Wainwright is doing some really ridiculous things. And so, you know what? Every time that Adam Wainwright comes out and, and does one of those things, I want to make sure to highlight it. I'm doing it here the most that I can. Unfortunately, it was just one of those games that uh, was well played on all sides. The Cardinals had three of those last weekend against the Yankees, and they happened to come away with each and every one of them. This time they don't, and it puts a little bit more pressure, I think, on Miles Michaelis for Sunday. Michael has had a, a rough outing in Colorado, of course, with the 10 runs that he allowed. He's looking to bounce back from that game just as Wayno did on Saturday. I think the Cardinals have an advantage in the pitching matchup on Sunday. Aaron Ashby going for the Brewers. That's a lefty, a very talented one. High strikeout rate, a guy that can put you away. He might end up with six, seven, or eight strikeouts tomorrow against the Cardinals on Sunday. But you might have your lineup where you put Albert in there, you find a way to get to the lefty the same way the Cardinals did to Kyle Freeland out in Colorado, the same way the Cardinals found a way to do on Friday night against the Brewers when Arenado and Goldschmidt homer off of Eric Lauer. I think on Sunday you're going to need more than just a couple of guys going yard to take down the Brewers and win this series, but it's an important game for the Cardinals because the winner of this game on Sunday will maintain that division lead heading on to their next series. So Cardinals have the half-game lead right now. They'd like to get it back to one and a half after Sunday afternoon. We'll see what ends up happening there, and we'll be right here to talk about it on B-Shape Daily. If there's any aspects of Saturday's game that you'd like me to get into a little bit deeper, I can touch on that on Sunday. Send me a direct message at B-Shape for 12 on Twitter. Let me know what I missed. Let me know what you would like me to comment on or dive in on a little bit deeper. But it is very late on Saturday night slash Sunday morning. I've got an early morning on Sunday, get to church and whatnot. So I'm going to wrap it up here at about 30 minutes. I appreciate you guys sincerely for listening to the show. We're making it happen even on the weekend. It's not called Be Shafe every other day. It's Be Shafe Daily. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Be Shafe Daily. Peace.